Welcome to the Boys in the Iceberg, the podcast where we recap Avatar The Last Airbender episode by episode for fans new and old. I'm your host, John Listman, immigration attorney by day, stand-up comic by night, airbender at heart, and I'm joined as always by my co-host. I'm Jeff Miller, TV writer, avid mind wanderer, and aspiring waterbender. We've got a great episode in store this time around. It is book two, episode seven, Zuko Alone. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, lots to talk about. I, I, we, we can't even start now because we won't even be able to stop. So I'm just going to go into this overview. Uh, after yeah. <laughs> deciding, Yes. After deciding he would be better off on his own and leaving his uncle, Zuko continues his journey alone and ends up in an Earth Kingdom town where a young boy named Lee brings him home for dinner and subsequently bonds with the banished prince. Zuko helps defend the family from rogue Earth Kingdom soldiers who terrorize the town and has flashbacks of his youth when his mother was still around. Zuko's identity as the banished Fire Nation prince is revealed when he firebends, and the boy and his family reject him because of it. Oh, Zuko, so alone, so alone. Ah. <laughs> oh. I, I, I know we don't want to get too too crazed, but I, I'm so glad we're here. This is such a good episode. And this is it's all Zuko. Zuko is the star of this one. There is nobody but him. And it is it is fantastic. Well oh, here we go. Not at least in the present time, but uh right. more on that as we continue. In this one, Zuko travels alone on his ostrich horse with an empty herding stomach. He suddenly notices a man cooking a large piece of meat over an open flame. Zuko considers robbing him until he sees the man is traveling with a pregnant woman and continues on, finally arriving in a village. He passes some Earth Kingdom soldiers who lock eyes with him as he dismounts his ostrich horse and attacks a local merchant. If he can purchase and asks a local merchant. <laughs> I know, right? We never know, Zuko. Uh, he asks if he can purchase some water, a hot meal, and a bag of feed. The man sadly informs Zuko his two coins won't cover a hot meal, but he can give two bags of feed. Two kids hiding nearby throw an egg at the soldier behind Zuko and run for cover. Thinking Zuko had thrown the egg, the soldiers angrily confront and interrogate him. Zuko covers for the boys, saying he saw nothing, and suggests dryly that a chicken may have flown over their heads. As the vendor brings Zuko's two bags of feed, the leader of the soldier, Gao, takes them and thanks Zuko for his contribution to the Earth Kingdom army. The vendor tells Zuko that Gao and his men are supposed to protect them from the Fire Nation, but are just a group of criminals. As Zuko remounts his ostrich horse, the boy who threw the egg pops up from behind the animal and thanks him for covering. Zuko does not reply, but the boy follows him, offering to take Zuko to his farm and feed the ostrich horse in return for not ratting him out. Zuko accepts and allows the boy, Lee, to lead him. Um, hey. You know, we, we, we got to set a scene here. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and they set it, uh, the episode's clearly Zuko alone. He, uh, comes into this just this opening shot it's like he's an outlaw on the lamb like like he really marches in with western vibes uh ready to bring justice to the world but first he must eat <laughs> that that's a good catch with the western vibes because that comes into play a lot um there's also some very recognizable fans of the show moments in this opening sequence uh the couple the pregnant couple that we see is some is 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 going to come into play again later down the road mm -hmm. and the field that he's walking through there are a lot of theories i don't i'm not sure if they're confirmed or not that it's the remnants of of a battle that happened long ago that isn't even seen until legend of korra book two mm -hmm. just just cool little tidbits for this for this world and how they've how they built it yes uh obviously things change when a little boy throws an egg at a nearby soldier yeah uh that was the uh, whole set this uh up in motion because uh we learn everything we learn about the uh the way that soldiers here are uh taking advantage of the war you, you just hate to see this with the earth kingdom army it's it's corruption plain and simple you know it doesn't matter if they're for the earth kingdom or the fire nation it's sad to see yeah uh we do get this great uh suck <laughs> line if you yeah. will 
there. He's like, uh, oh no, maybe it was an egg that was flying by. <laughs> or a chicken flying over. Yes, that's right. Um, that was good. Yes, but uh, eventually Zuko accepts the meal at the little boy's home and they uh, move along. Zuko and Lee approach a large farm full of several kinds of loud hybrid animals. Love these hybrid animals. Uh, Lee casually remarks that the noise is good because no one can ever sneak up on them. As the boy goes to put Zuko's ostrich horse in the barn, his father, Ganzu, approaches. When Ganzu inquires if Zuko is a friend of Lee, Lee recounts Zuko's small confrontation with the soldiers. Lee's mother, Sela, asks for the newcomer's name. Not wanting to use his typical alias of Lee, for obvious reasons, Zuko stutters for a moment before Lee's father intervenes saying that he has no obligation to say who he is if he would rather not. Ganzu welcomes Zuko to his home on the virtue of his opposition to the corrupt Earth Kingdom soldiers. The family explains how the real soldiers, like Lee's older brother Sensu, are fighting in the war, while those thugs stay to protect the village from the Fire Nation. Sela asks if Zuko wishes to stay for dinner, but he declines the offer. Understanding he is too proud to accept any help, she says Zuko can help Lee's father fix the roof of the barn and that later they will eat. An offer that Zuko accepts. Oh, Zuko. Uh, you're ready to rob a pregnant woman, but you, you, mm -hmm. you won't accept a meal without a little uh, work on the roof. But uh, everyone's got a code. Everyone's got some line somewhere. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. I don't. I don't know if he was ready to, to rob her. I think he was ready to rob right. her husband until right, right. he saw her. No, you're right. Um, but yeah, he is. He's still always proud. You know, mm -hmm. this this episode is going to shine him in a very bright light. But let's not forget, mm. he's he's still very conflicted. I love you know the kid's father. Mm. Um, just respecting Zuko and understanding, you know, maybe he recognized the scar and knew who he was. It could be. Um, I think he I knew more just how to. Uh... Do we know where this town is located in regards to the greater uh, world here? Because I feel like this is a town that might be accustomed to uh, having like refugees pass through a little more. Yeah. And uh, maybe that's why the police or, or the, uh, not police, the, the army that seems to be policing the uh, mm -hmm. village instead of protecting it might have some sort of, uh, I don't know, like hub for, you know, uh, uh, smuggling people in and out of the war. Uh, <laughs> So uh, that, that was my thought. Uh, and it's kind of like the less I know, the better. You're clearly a refugee or you're running away from something. Right. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you feel for this kid and, and especially dealing with these corrupt soldiers, knowing that his brother's all fighting in the war and just the idea that this family has to suffer additionally from the very people that are supposed to protect them that their son is off fighting with. It's, it's, it's terrible. Yeah. Well, at least Zuko got a good meal out of this. Mm -hmm. uh, Zuko sets to work, his inexperience at the task evidenced by a myriad of bent nails. Lee asks random personal questions, including how Zuko got his scar, causing the banished prince to accidentally hammer his own thumb. Lee's father explains it's not polite to ask so many personal questions and that Zuko's past is not his business. Triggering a Zuko flashback, a young Zuko and his mother feed baby turtle ducks by a small pond on the palace grounds. Zuko offers to show his mother how Azula feeds them and throws a large piece of bread at one. His mother berates him for it as the mother of the turtle duck comes forward and bites down hard on Zuko's ankle. He yells in pain as his mother removes the small creature. He angrily asks why the duck bit him, to which Ursula replies that mothers are protective and will bite back when their young are in danger and pretends to bite Zuko. They laugh briefly before returning their gaze back to the pond. Okay. In this turtle duck scene, we really get to see uh, just the, uh, the real Zuko, man. The, the, the deep down, he's got a heart of gold. You know, he's, he's living in the Fire Lord's world, but uh, he is not a uh, destructive man or boy in this scene. Yeah. He's actually like around him is just cruelty, and he's the one good. At, you know, him and his mom are are this are this wonderful example of just pure goodness. And the only one you know mean thing that Zuko does is actually imitating his evil sister, not even out of his oh. own interest. 
I, I can't um, help but wonder if the mom is so strongly opposed to this behavior in Zuko, she seems very comfortable with Azula flexing it. Like, I understand she's talented and like, like, like her bending is strong. She's very good at the martial art aspect of all of it, but uh, she, she's fighting. I can't help but think of Cobra Kai. I've been watching that show a lot lately. Ah. It, it, it's very much the, uh, the evil side, the dark side of Cobra Kai that is, uh, that is strong with her. Yes. <laughs> you know, Ursa realizes if, if anything were to happen to Iroh and Ozai were to take over and his children were to ascend the throne, it would be Zuko. It would go to the male heir. So I think she's more concerned with Zuko's kind of mm, inner peace and, and, and reconciling that. Wow. That's a point I had not considered. That makes great sense. Uh, oh, we've also gotten, for, for awesome hybrid animals this episode, yes. we've gotten a pig rooster <laughs> earlier. Yeah. And now we have arguably the best of, of the entire series, the turtle duck, which mm. are adorable. They're, they're, like, they're like kittens that can swim. <laughs> Maybe one day uh, science or evolution will catch up to uh, Avatar. <laughs> Maybe one day we can hope. Um, but yes, uh, as Zuko and his mom walk back through a courtyard, young Azula is attempting a cartwheel, but falls to the ground with a thud. Behind her, Tai Lee runs forward and performs the move with ease, topping it off with several somersaults. Jealous, Azula pushes her over and laughs. A young May sits uninterested against a tree. Watching them, she turns, sees Zuko walking through the garden, and diverts her gaze again, now blushing and smiling to herself. Azula takes notice of this and whispers to Tai Lee, Watch this. Tai Lee giggles as Azula runs up to her brother and mother, asking if Zuko would come play with them, stating that it is important for siblings to spend time together. After a small argument, their mother makes him go and play. Azula explains the tactic of the game is for the player to knock an apple off the other person's head. She sets an apple on the head of a bored-looking May and sets it ablaze. Azuko rushes forward, trying to knock the burning apple off of her head, but trips crashing into May and causing them to fall into the fountain, where they land on top of each other. Tai Lee comments, oh, how cute they are together. May is angered, while an embarrassed Zuko storms inside to dry off, passing his mother and shouting, girls are crazy! Oh, young Zuko. Huh. This flashback, I mean, it's, it's unbelievable the way they handle these young flashback characters. Yes, we've met these characters before, but in this element, it's almost like we're meeting new characters. Yeah. And instead of wasting a lot of time giving us all this explanation and, and background, you know, and, and, and talking and talking, we just see them in action. Mm-hmm. And, it's, and it's perfect. You know, you get this, this great sense of who each one is. The person Zuko truly is, as, as you've noted. And, you know, you, you definitely see how he's, changed and it's just it's so wonderfully done i think uh, i love so much um so like azula has grown up in this fire lord world uh where she has very much this desire to the, to flex and please her father and show her strength uh because that's he's dude he's a warmonger <laughs> he's a strong man uh mm-hmm. but here so so for i've often thought of her just being evil for that sake uh, or just bad, you know, for the sake of being bad. But here we see that mm-hmm. she's far more calculating. Like, like she had this mm-hmm. whole uh, thought, this tactic of this uh, game to uh, to make them kind of fall on top of each other. She's very calculating. Let us, uh, mm-hmm. e- even at an early age, she she, she was so uh, she was ready to take on the world. <laughs> yeah, it's it's she's the scariest kind of evil, and that's really smart. This thing with his son or you know, Lu Ten and what Azula says, you know, about her father taking over is really scary. And the Earth Kingdom doll, let's let's be real, that looked a lot like Toph. Oh, I didn't make that connection, but uh, we'll be there in a sec. So, uh, Oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. All right, that's all right. Zuko's mother informs them that she has received a letter from his uncle in Ba Sing Se. In the letter, Iroh says that if the city is as magnificent as its wall, Ba Sing Se must be something to behold. Continuing, he hopes they can come and see it one day, if he does not burn it to the ground first. To which Zuko and Azulo burst out in laughter. 
He has also sent gifts for his niece and nephew. For Zuko, a pearl dagger that belonged to the general who surrendered when Iroh broke through the outer wall. The inscription on the dagger reads, Never give up without a fight. Azula instead receives an Earth Kingdom doll, much to her displeasure. Azula comments that if Iroh did not make it back from the siege, her father would be next in line to be Fire Lord. Her mother scolds her for saying such a thing. As Zuko asks her how she would feel if Iroh's son, Luten, wanted their dad to die. Azula simply retorts that she thinks their dad would make a much better Fire Lord, and this royal tea-loving kookiness uh, would be a much worse Fire Lord as she sets her new doll ablaze. So uh, the doll, let's just round that one point. I mean, it did look like tough. It, traditional Earth Kingdom dress. If, if you're the governor or some kind of, you know, royalty daughter, you're going to be dressed in the nicest Earth clothes. Absolutely. The fact that that's where Azula goes, I, I guess I, I think I jumped there because of our talk of, of how calculating Azula is, and you see it again here. This uh, device of like you're in Zuko's flashback and like you're getting a letter within that flashback. It's almost like another, it's not a flashback within the flashback, but it is a, uh, yeah. a nice way to just take us to Uncle Iroh and getting to see him in the prime of his military career. Uh, Absolutely. You know, we've heard the tales, but we haven't seen the, uh, the prime. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah, we've never really... We're, 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 we're sort of in the present with Iroh as he's the, you know, Dragon of the West, the general of the Fire Nation military, Absolutely. leading the siege. And it's a completely different aspect of it. And to hear commentary, you know, like, if he doesn't burn it to the ground first, you know, you, you can tell the way he writes about it, that he's doing that because he feels like it's necessary. Yeah. He doesn't actually believe it, but that this is a culture where that's the kind of thing that you just kind of laugh about. Yeah. Oh, ha ha. They're all going to burn. Fire. So fire. It's a dark, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's a dark reality that they're, that they're in. And uh, a very meaningful knife because it is of earth kingdom uh, descent and uh, origin. And it'll come into play a little more uh, as we go. As the memory fades back to the present, Zuko is sleeping soundly on a pile of hay in the family's barn. Lee sneaks in and takes Zuko's swords outside, where he begins to hack wildly at a field of sunflowers, pretending to fight an enemy. From behind him, Zuko appears and says he is holding them the wrong way, explaining that he has to think of the two swords as uh, one whole rather than two separate blades. Lee heeds Zuko's comments and his motions become more fluid. Walking back to the farm in the moonlight, Lee states that Zuko would have liked Sensu as he used to share things with him just as Zuko was doing. I mean, dude, I think each one of these, uh, Zuko and Lee, are, are reaching out for a brother or a sibling, something that they've really never had for one reason or another. It's really interesting how these parallels are happening. And, and I, I remember think, wondering in the, uh, in the episode, I don't know if it was here or later, if they're trying to indicate that Zuko actually had a pretty strong and, and close relationship with, uh, who is it, uh, Luten. Mm. And maybe that's how he's, he's also connecting to this, to this mm -hmm. young kid and his older brother, because Zuko obviously didn't have a brother. That's so true. It's also nice to just see Zuko, you know, seeing him not lash out or get angry at this kid for taking his swords and doing yes. this, and instead just being very calm and actually helping him and, and showing him the right way to do it. Very much a new yeah. side of Zuko. Um, yeah. I also think this fact that like you would have liked my brother, it's really like, again, blurring the lines of what an enemy is and, and truly like you have to pause and think like, oh man, he's just a, a fucking kid from a little town like me trying to uh, do what's right for his people. Uh, it's reminiscent of when, of In the Blue Spirit, when mm -hmm. Aang said, you know, I used to have a friend in the Fire Nation and, you know, you're a lot like him or you're, you're like him in a lot of ways. And I kind of wonder if we met each other at a different time, would we have been friends? Would we have been friends? Well, uh, let's move forward in time here. The next day, Zuko mounts his ostrich horse and prepares to set off. When Lee's mother gives him some food for his journey, and at that moment, dust kicks up in the distance. And the soldiers from the village come with grave news. 
Sensu's battalion has been captured. Gao jokes with his men about how the Fire Nation army dressed up its last group of Earth Kingdom prisoners as Fire Nation soldiers and deployed them at front line unarmed. Infuriated by the tasteless remark, Ganzu tells Gao to watch his mouth. Insulted, Gao prepares to strike Ganzu for his outburst, but Zuko blocks his advance by positioning his mount between the two parties. Recognizing a certain threat emanating from Zuko, Gao insults the family as being unworthy of their time and leaves with the rest of his company. Zuko is brought back to a memory of his cousin's death. He and Azula are playing together in the garden while their mother is sitting near the pond. A servant delivers a message to her. She reads it and looks up. A tear drips down her face as she informs her children that their cousin did not survive the battle. Back in the present, Lee's father declares he is going to the front to look for Sensu. Lee asks if Zuko will stay in his father's absence, but he declines and gives Lee the pearl dagger Iroh gave him as a kid. As Zuko rides off, he's thrown into another memory. My God, many a memory, but first, uh, let's, see, let's begin with this one, uh, or even before this, the event that triggered the memory. Uh, Yo, I just came to tell you your son got captured. Ha, 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 ha. And I'm I'm the the army here to protect you from the fire. Nate, what, what what a horrible, not even corrupt, just like to just come to this house to a family of an actual soldier doing the right thing and out there fighting to 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 taunt them about his capture. It's akin to a president calling captured soldiers losers and cowards. Oh. Hey, and. Uh, what a great parallel to, you know, a brother of sorts is being uh, killed in the war, which naturally triggers another brother of sorts, uh, his cousin Luten being triggered or uh, killed in battle. Um, it's, it's just like, it, you know, you, you start getting these little details and it's almost like once Azula conceives of a plan, it manifests itself. It's, it's almost as if... Uh, her her plotting is so uh, inescapable. It, it once mm. the scheme is formed, mm. would it's uh it, it's hard to stop. And we're getting these little drips of it moving forward. Yeah, it, it it really is sad. You know, you think that that Zuko he's looking up for guidance. Yeah, you always do. So if it's you know if Azula is his older sister, then yeah, or Azula is his older sister. You want to look up to her for guidance. Clearly, you're not going to get it there. And then he has his mother and his father. And I, I, you'd think then the next person there would be his cousin, even if they weren't necessarily close or friends. Like, that's who he has to look up to for, for guidance. And obviously, his father is not really around much. And his, he's got his mom. Azula's not there. So to find out that this other ally of yours, this other role model, this person you were, you were looking up to is gone, it hurts. It hurts. At least uh, when the uh, news of Iroh's son came, there wasn't an army laughing in your face. <laughs> it's just like, I can't believe this is how you deliver news. Just send a letter if that's what you're going to do. I mean, you're just doing it to be a dick. There, there was no uh, oh, horrible, horrible stuff. Um, so amongst this news of uh, in the present... Lee asks if Zuko will stay because his father is ready to go off to war. It, it's, 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 uh, hasn't this family suffered enough? <laughs> it's kind of like Zuko. You're always looking up for somebody to be, a, to be a role model or a guide. And for this kid, it's obviously his brother and his dad, his mom and dad. Mm-hmm. And then it seems Zuko. And now his brother's been captured. His dad's going to look for his brother. He's got his mom. And then the next person in line, it's Zuko. It's 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 a very interesting parallel. Yeah, um, Zuko says no to being yeah. the uh, standby daddy there because uh, he's he can't he's alone. That's his deal. <laughs> um, but gives him the pearl dagger, Iroh's gift from his childhood. I, I felt like that was a bit uh, a little too easy. I, I let's talk about the significance. Okay, first the the, the item itself is an Earth Kingdom relic. It it, it does uh, it was captured in battle like a decade ago. Let's say. Uh, and now it's it's almost being returned to its people. It, it it's almost a uh, a contrition, a, a sort of uh, I'd like a bit of a truce between the fire and the earth uh, worlds. At least Zuko does. Uh, but it's also kind of the last 
piece of Iroh that he has with him? What what other uh, things does he have? The horse that he stole? I mean, that was never a Iroh thing. You're right. That is the last thing he has of Iroh's. You know, the symbolism is, is beautiful, and, and especially given the etching on the knife and what it says, you know, mm-hmm. never back down from a fight. Mm-hmm. It's obviously apt here. But at the same time, you kind of think to yourself, okay, you just saw this kid take your swords and be reckless with them until you came and yeah. at it. You're telling him you're not going to stay. Then you're just giving him a knife with no words of wisdom in terms of what to do with it and are on your way. It, it's I, I get it, and it's a nice gesture, but at the same time, it did seem a little irresponsible. Just be like, here, in case they come after you, protect yourself, but by no means should you <laughs> do anything with it. Yeah. I wanna, um, the myself. inscription, no, no, the inscription, never back down from a fight, <laughs> written on an Earth Kingdom sword, that an Earth Kingdom general presented after surrendering at Bossing, or it was captured at the Outer Wall. Mm-hmm. It's uh, that, that's more of a fire uh, way of thinking than Earth, as far as I'm concerned. Did he? That wait, gets was more it, than a Zula mantra to me. Uh, never back down from a fight. Right. Yeah. I mean, was it was it uh, an offering or was it just taken when he? Yeah, was I, I believe it was taken. I, 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 so when he captured yeah. the outer wall. So uh, right. Interesting that it's uh, that 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 never back down from a fight is being given to Lee now. Yeah. Uh, who has yet? You know, he's kind of uh, Sokka pre the iceberg. I mean, he has to kind of stay home and wait to be able to fight. It's uh, parallels abound. Anyway, elsewhere down memory lane, uh, young Zuko is practicing with his knife while Azula watches from a chair, commenting that he is not particularly skilled and wastes all his time playing with knives, to which he replies with anger. Ignoring her brother's outburst, she casually informs him that Iroh is coming home, calling him a quitter and a loser. Their mother enters the room and tells them their father has requested an audience with their grandfather. Fire Lord Azulon. Azula disrespectfully inquires why Ursa does not just refer to Fire Lord Azulon as grandfather, as he isn't exactly the powerful Fire Lord that he used to be, when she continues saying that someone was probably going to take his place soon. Ursa scolds her once again for her brazen and callous speech and wonders to herself what is wrong with her daughter in the throne room. Ozai asks Zuko and Azula how their great-grandfather Sozin won the Battle of Han Tui. While Zuko stammers, Azula decisively answers correctly. Pleased with his daughter, Ozai asks her to show her grandfather the new moves she demonstrated for him. Azula gracefully performs her firebending forms, a smile on Ozai's face. As Azula takes her seat beside Zuko, she whispers, he will never catch up. Eager to prove himself, Zuko rises to demonstrate that he has been learning, and instantly, the smile on Ozai's face turns into a frown. Zuko stumbles with the same form. Azula smirks viciously. Zuko falls to the ground after trying again, angry that he failed, but Ursa comforts him, saying she loved watching him perform and how he always keeps fighting. Always keep fighting. Never back down. It's, uh, okay. Iroh's coming home, okay? He, did he lose? I, uh, let's talk about this, Bossing say. I, I think he had to kind of take personal time almost. I think it really did get to him, losing his yeah. son. And I think he was always a little conflicted just in terms of being the spiritual person he is. So, yeah, I think he did kind of, you know, not quit, but he thought better of it. Yeah. And, and again, you have Azula jumping in here, calling him a quitter and a loser. I mean... Mm. What does that sound like? Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's wild. And then, you know, jumping in, obviously she says what she says about her grandfather. I, yeah. Red flag. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, what is wrong with her? It, mm-hmm. It's crazy that that's, I mean, I, I, I hope she'd say that about all the other things she said before that too. Yeah. But then, you know, this, this throne room, you know, imagine just being a, a, a kid going to see your grandpa and your visit to grandpa is going to this, giant cold empty throne room with a wall of fire it's just so just distant and disconnected they're the only warmth in zuko's life is his mom 
Yeah, it's, it's, it's not like that. It's not, show me your forms for my affection. It's, it's like, uh, you know, dance monkey. I don't know. It's a certain, like, you yeah. have to perform to prove your love to me. It, it there's, just, there's, there's, yeah, there's, it's a conditional. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Boom. That's the word. Um, <laughs> zing. Zing, zing, zinger. Um, and yeah, so, uh, my God, this, this, this fire love is uh, few and far between. It's hard to come by. There's, there's more to unpack here. Impatient that Zuko is wasting his time, Azulon dismisses Ursa, Zuko, and Azula and asks Ozai to tell him what he wants. As they make for the door, Azula grabs Zuko's hand and leads him behind a curtain from where they eavesdrop on their father and grandfather's meeting. Ozai comments that with Lutengon, Iroh's bloodline has ended and that no one really knows when he will return to the Fire Nation. Whereas he is present and his children are alive, leading up to his request to cheat on Iroh's birthright in his favor. Unhappy about the youngest son's arrogance and lack of respect for his brother's loss, the Fire Lord tells Ozai that Iroh has suffered enough, but that Ozai's punishment has only just begun. As the Fire Lord's flames rise, a frightened Zuko runs away before hearing the punishment Azulon would give Ozai, while Azula remains behind with a sadistic smile on her face. In her room, Zuko lies on his bed, frightened by what he has seen. Azula enters, singing that their father is going to kill Zuko. She reveals that Ozai is to sacrifice Zuko so he may know the pain of losing a firstborn son. Zuko refuses to believe her, and when he remarks that their dad would never do that, Ursa enters the room, demanding to know what is going on. Seeing Azula's smug face, she pulls her away angrily, saying that it is time for a talk. Zuko remains in bed chanting, Azula always lies to himself. In the present, Zuko is lying on the grass, eyes closed, and repeating those same words. Azula always lies. Azula always lies. Mm. Oh, this is so good. This is such a good scene. I, you know, you see Ozai's cruelty being man. You know, this is the most Ozai I think we've gotten but in the entire series by I, a long shot. Yes, and it's not even like that much he's always this dark shadowy figure that's just ominous and domineering there's no uh there's no face like characteristics to be compassionate to like like he is uh this just militaristic machine with no room for love yeah yeah he only he only favors excellence and power and could care less about any sort of you know anything that resembles what, what you might think of as weak. In fairness, there, there's a lot of very true points to be made about him being truly the epitome of evil, which in fairness in this is okay. When you're dealing with something like the Avatar, who, that's the bat, you know, that's who's literally balancing the world, you need a, a, a polar villain or a polarizing villain, and this is definitely him. Oh, yeah. um, but that his first react, you know, why he wants to be there is to take his brother's birthright from him and take the throne right after his son has died. And Azula's like, you could tell Azula's like, yes, that's what I, uh, you know, like that's exactly what I would have done. Um, It's just crazy. And then her coming in and taunting again, this is his grandfather and his father. It's just threats and backstabbing and nastiness and cruelty. And he flees and Azula comes back like gleefully singing and dancing. And again, it's not until, I think his mom comes in and breaks it up and just him having to close his eyes all by himself, chanting Azula always lies. You know, this, this episode, it's not just that he's alone, obviously here on this journey, but he's, besides his mom, he's completely alone in this family. He has Ira, he has, his mom, yeah. and everybody else is awful. He, he has no emotional support in his family except for Iroh. And, and somehow he has to put up walls between him and Iroh. It's uh tragic indeed i think just like it's just always azula giving him the news it's it's even if it's it's like she's manifesting it It, it, it's really like to him azula was all powerful enough to make this happen and uh that 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 fear stays with him i mean that you see him azula always lies always lies it's really uh wow just uh heartbreaking absolutely Back in the present, Lee's mother pulls up in a cart 
informing him that when the soldiers from the village came back demanding food, Lee pulled a knife on them. The men took him, deciding if he's old enough to fight, he's old enough to join the army. In tears, she begs for help. Zuko agrees to help and rides up to the soldiers on the town square. Lee, tied to a pole, is extremely happy to see Zuko. At Zuko's arrival, the soldiers all stand up, ready to face him. Zuko dismounts and removes his straw hat, ordering the soldiers to release Lee. Lee, or the leader, bursts out laughing before harshly inquiring who Zuko is. Zuko calmly replies that his identity does not matter and denounces the soldiers to be bullies, abusing their power and cowards for messing with a family who already lost a child to the war. The leader asks the other soldier if they are going to let Zuko insult them like this without responding, implying that they should attack. The first three are handled without Zuko having to break a sweat. Gao, the only one left, pulls out two large hammers, a motion mirrored by Zuko who pulls out his swords. The leader smacks the ground with his hammers and sends a rock pelting towards Zuko, who breaks it easily with his swords. The next few blows appear more difficult to block, and Zuko is hit in the stomach by a rock. However, he does not give up, but charges the leader under cheers from an elderly spectator. Zuko's advance is halted by three quick boulders coming his way. He is barely able to block the rocks that are flying towards him, and he is finally hit with an earth pillar that knocks him airborne and back about 10 feet. He hits the ground hard and is thrown into another memory in which he is sound asleep in his room. His mother gently wakes him, telling the half-asleep Zuko that everything she has done has been to protect him, and that no matter how things may seem to change, he must never forget who he is. She hugs him a last time and disappears down a dark corridor. Wow, wow, wow. What, uh... Yeah, let's take it to the scene where the, uh... So the mom, of course, calls them in, the, the boys uh, playing with the swords. <laughs> this army thinks that's enough to arrest him or uh, make them, or inscript him, I believe is the word, into the army. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, seriously. Uh, conscripted him. Conscripted him, yes. Uh, Going after him with a knife. Yeah. But, in uh, fairness, he gave him a knife. Yeah, you're right. You can't, he, he was not prepared the night before. What, what made him think right. he, ready today but like dude he he here he is the 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 outlaw the uh the 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 clint eastwood character the uh this is this is absolutely 100 percent like high noon mm-hmm. you know strolling into this town dirt at, you know dust everywhere sun in the sky behind him mm-hmm. it's 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 all there it's uh he's just such a badass about it mm-hmm. won't tell him who he is he takes these guys out without breaking a damn sweat. I mean, yeah. Zuko without bending, yeah. just using his broadswords. These swords cut through rock like it's nothing. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. You know, yes, he eventually gets knocked down, but it takes a lot for that to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. I uh, the ability to chop a boulder with a sword is. Uh, supernatural i mean it's truly uh, a craft mastery that uh only a uh a guy like zuko has in this show here um but half asleep here we get this uh last memory um oh yeah did we do we know i mean we know but do we know in the moment that this is the last time uh we suspect it certainly I mean, feels like it yeah it, it the way she's acting mm-hmm. you know it definitely doesn't seem like it's not a goodbye <laughs> uh can't help but be reminded of monkey Yatsu coming to ang one last time at the end there and being like big. yeah hey let's do this one last time yeah for zuko like this is the last semblance of compassion and love in his family Mm-hmm. And she's doing her best to to make him stay strong, but he's or she's then leaving, and it's just so scary for him. And so with sad. this lack of compassion, or this compassionate, the only emotional support he had uh, now, no longer in his life, and uh, his uncle Iroh, who is uh, no longer able to emotionally support. I mean, it's just such a natural pairing of these two, the the Iroh Zuko relationship. Uh, mm-hmm. Like like they they both satisfy a need that the other one is missing. 
and it's uh, and you can't help but wonder obviously what it was she's done you know what what happened she says everything i've done has been to protect you obviously everybody's gonna be wondering what could that be and we don't know you know we may get a little hint here and there as the show goes on but gotta get the comics to find out uh back in the present zuko is lying on the ground seemingly passed out the soldier moves forward for this final blow when Zuko opens his eyes and unleashes a blast of firebending upon the leader. He uses his swords to guide his flames and wastes no time, charging the soldier, sending blasts of fire toward him as he swings the blades. The man makes a feeble attempt at earthbending a wall to block the attack, but to no avail, and is defeated. Lying amidst a pile, a pile of debris, the soldier asks Zuko who he is, a question Zuko answers by telling everyone his full title and royal heritage. <laughs> the crowd erupts in nervous whispers. Horrified by Zuko's revelation as a firebender and prince of the Fire Nation, the man who had been cheering Zuko accuses him of being a liar, as he once heard that Zuko was not a prince, but an outcast who was burned and disowned by his own father. Zuko ignores the man and retrieves his dagger from the pocket of the defeated soldier. He walks towards Lee, now united by, with Sela, uh, but his mother steps between them and tells Zuko not to come a step closer. Obeying, Zuko kneels and offers the dagger, but Lee rejects the offer, telling Zuko that he hates him. Oh my God, a lot of ups and downs here, yeah. It's, uh, you know, Zuko... He does what he has to do. He really tried not to, but he kind of had to. And it's, again, it's, it's this terrible circumstance for Zuko. He has no one. He has no sides. He can't, you know, he's a good-natured person, but he can't endear himself to other good-natured people here, mm-hmm. despite protecting them based solely on his heritage, his bloodline, his, you know, his mm-hmm. being who he is. And these people that, he helped out. They, they, they took him in. He went out of his way to protect them and try to, you know, give this gift to this kid as a sign of, you know, peace and, and, and trust. He's now being shamed by them. And then if he went back to the Fire Nation, he's, he's a banished prince. He's got, you know, he, he's hated by them. He's a wanted criminal. Yeah. So he had literally, I rose it. Mm-hmm. He really, this is letting us know 100% Zuko is alone. And Iroh's unfortunately not with him. Not only is he alone, but he can't just be Zuko. You know, first off, uh, like, like this is the first time he's like actually on his own, and uh, like like he can't use his fake name even in this scenario. So he really has to like, <clears throat> I can't even, I can't even be Zuko. I can't be the fake Zuko. And then first we get Gonzu, a man's past is is his uh, business. You know, then we get this. Uh, Gao, this uh, soldier leader guy, it's like uh, it does, he, and he asks him what his name is, and Zuko's response is, "It doesn't matter what my name is." You know what I mean? Like he still can't. And then we have this outburst. I, I, I got the quote up. It says, "My name is Zuko, son of Ursa and Fire Lord Ozai, Prince of the Fire Nation and heir to the throne." Dissecting that quote, he says, "Son of Ursa first and Fire Lord Ozai second. He is a lover and son of." The Ursa way of thinking, first and foremost, Prince of the Fire Nation is a given, but heir to the throne, meaning he has a rightful title, and he's stepping out, and he's going to claim it. He stakes a claim to something where he's just not only, uh, up until that's when, like, please let me back in. I'm sorry I got banished. Let me fix this. I want to know my birthright. Uh, I'm going to take it, okay, only to then be the... uh, shot down by this guy it's like no i know that scar you're, you're the guy that got banished you know what i mean like he, he even when he finally steps up and is proud to be zuko he is immediately shot down I, I i gotta check it but i'm pretty sure the clint eastwood character in the good the bad and the ugly that that whole trilogy yeah was nameless so you want to talk again about another wink and yeah. nod to classic westerns obviously the way he rolls into town sure he's also rolling into town as the man with no name yeah and Pretty cool. Did. And then he reveals himself as Zuko. But up until that point, yeah. he really is this lone outlaw. Yeah. And then, like, okay, the guy shuts him down. Then uh, he loses his brother. I mean, he can't, he can't even be Zuko. Uh, mm-hmm. Even when he wants to be Zuko, honestly. It's, it's quite the uh, difficult position that he is in. Uh, 
kind of is um, in this uh, this kind of tone with this feel in the air. Zuko relives yet another memory. Young Zuko wakes suddenly from his bed, yelling for his mother. He runs down the hall only to find his sister Azula playing with his knife. He asks her about their mother, to which she replies that nobody knows and casually adds that their grandfather passed away in the night. What? 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 Casual there. Uh, Zuko tells Azula that she is sick, takes back his knife, and runs to find his mother. He finds his dad instead at the pond, standing silently and staring into the distance. When Zuko demands to know where his mother is, Ozai does not reply, and Zuko bows his head. The Fire Sages hold a special funeral ceremony for the late Fire Lord, retelling his past accomplishments and family ties as a eulogy. Ozai, Zuko, and Azula are present, all donned in white robes. After the Sages cremate Azulon's body, the Head Sage coronates Ozai as the new Fire Lord, according to what he said was Azulon's dying wish. Okay, guys, this is some uh, last-minute will trickery. Uh, so much happening so quickly, and uh, it's just so sad, you know. the The idea that Zuko, his entire childhood, he's always had, he could always at least rely on his mother being there to comfort him after Azula's done something to torment him. Mm-hmm. And the idea that he goes to their spot where we saw them initially, yeah, you know, he's really alone. And then you also wonder, maybe he thought, you know. At least if Uncle Iroh is, becomes the new Fire Lord, he's close with me, things might be better for us. Mm-hmm. And so not only is his mom gone, and Iroh not around at the moment and, and clearly suffering great loss, but now his father, this corrupt person that he doesn't really get along with, is now the new ruler. He's looking around him and his world is being crushed. So tragic. Um... And you wonder what promise was made. I mean... Again, if you read the comics, you'll find out. But it, it, it's really cool how they set up that, you know, speculative area there, that, that, that whole storyline. This uh, power grab was inevitable. It just felt, uh, mm-hmm. went, so whether or not uh, it was Azulon's dying wish, uh, we'll, uh, we'll never know, but it's certainly... Uh, <sighs> there are theories, you know, given mm-hmm. what the bomb said, everything I've done has been to protect you. Yeah, and it's not, I mean, going back, it's not just the, the fact that he doesn't have Iroh or the mom anymore. Um, his, the, the world is, it's like there's a new world order. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And he has no place in this world. He, he, he's, he was never uh, good at flexing the bending. You know what I mean? He, he had a bad demonstration. He, the father not only has no place for him, he won't even answer the, the most basic questions. So it's, he has no home in this world anymore. It's, it's not just the loss of a mother. It's a loss of your entire home and sense of home. I mean, what a earth-shattering uh, series of events for a young Zuko to, to live. Yes. And then uh, we go back to the present where Zuko is riding away from the village on his ostrich horse. Round hat back on his head with either side of the street lined with villagers. Some villagers, including Lee, glare at Zuko with bitter hatred as he rides away into a burning sunset. And just like every Western ends, we, we ride off into the sunset, uh, contemplating. And that wraps up another episode of The Boys in the Iceberg. Jeff, uh, and, and closing thoughts, something we missed, it's, anything uh, that's coming to mind. You know, again, it's just echoing that Zuko is trying to figure out who he's going to be. He's had this conversation with Iroh, you know, maybe your destiny isn't what you think it is. And honor doesn't necessarily just come from capturing the Avatar. And, you know, Zuko's thinking maybe I can be just a a helpful person and befriend other people in other nations. And then his first real shot at it in this town, he's being completely discarded and cast aside because of who he is, even though he's done everything in his power to help them. I think declaring out loud, I am the heir to the throne, <laughs> wasn't very smart because that does sound threatening no matter what you've done to a bunch of Earth Nation um, villagers who are currently un- being persecuted by that very nation. It's just really tragic for him. And it's fun, you know, this episode really was Zuko alone. It, there is no other character, it's just Zuko. It's really, I think, bringing him into focus in case you didn't get it already that as much as this series is about Aang, 
it's also about Zuko. And this is actually a two hero journey, you know, two main character mm-hmm. protagonist journey. Um, and they just did such a wonderful job with this one. It's so good. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, that just meeting the mother, Ursa, I, I believe this was the first. Uh, yeah. And the whole, uh, the, 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 this blade, just like as the only token of Iroh that he has, that he's willing mm-hmm. to part with it to uh, bring himself some kind of sense of peace. I believe this was the same blade he used to cut off the top knot. Uh, so it's, it's, it's really uh, a significant Very, item for yeah. him. Um, I love the use of uh, the swords plus fire bending. I think he was using them both at the same time. That's not something I think we've seen before. Uh, the, the, all the flashbacks, all the... Uh, I mean, the fact that I believe this is the only one where Team Avatar does not appear, not even for a moment. A second. Yeah. And it's just uh, unbelievable. You, you mentioned this, uh, this field uh, that's from Korra. I also know that there was a Korra Alone episode, which of course is a, an homage to this. So uh, more on that when the time comes. Uh, yeah, yeah. All right, one, 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 wrap it up. Final thoughts, Jeff. Anything else you want to say about Zuko Alone? Uh, no. My last thought, um, it's, it's Orsa's parting words to a young Zuko uh, in a flashback. It's, uh, she says, remember this Zuko, no matter how things may seem to change, Never forget who you are. And uh, this episode is Zuko struggling with who he is. And he has to be alone until he figures out who he is. And uh, this is a journey I'm excited to go along with him and uh, see what comes next. And that wraps up another episode of The Boys in the Iceberg. Be sure to follow The Boys in the Iceberg on Instagram and Twitter. And you can find our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Anchor, and pretty much wherever podcasts can be found. Thank you for listening. Good night. Flamio, Hotman.